Exactly eight months after nearly winning a second presidential term, Jair Bolsonaro is out of Brazil's electoral picture. The Superior Electoral Court convicted him of electoral crimes for abusing his former office to spread disinformation aimed at sowing distrust in the country's electoral system. Bolsonaro will not be able to run for public office until at least 2030, and his punishment, it turns out, can be increased, which would essentially remove Bolsonaro from electoral politics for good. My name's Ewan Marshall, Deputy Editor of the Brazilian Report, filling in for Editor-in-Chief Gustavo Ribeiro, and this is Explaining Brazil. If you like Explaining Brazil, you should subscribe to The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We're an independent organisation funded by our subscribers, and you can help us stay independent and continue to produce award-winning journalism. And if you're already a subscriber, you can go the extra mile and join our Buy Me A Coffee fan page. And in return, you'll get exclusive perks like special newsletters and behind-the-scenes content, as well as a shout-out here on our podcast. And today, I'd like to thank our Buy Me A Coffee members. Tom Nolan, Marta Marchins, Pan Ludwig, Leslie Seal, Caroline Hubert, Mark Hillary, John Thomas III, Louise Renz, Erwan Menais, Orlando Black, Steve Knapp, Aaron Berger, James Coney, Kars Vrizvik, Alistair Townsend, Peter Abramson, Jim Awofadeju, Michael Fryer, Milo Renacido, David Dixon, Jose Ozi Stankovic, Emerging Market Muser, Yarden Iftach, Tomika Thompson, Anderson Da Silva, Kat Kramer, Peter Suffren, Anna Lund, and someone who wishes to remain anonymous. If you too believe in the importance of independent journalism, and if you want to hear your name on our podcast, go to buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report and subscribe to one of the membership levels. Click on buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report to learn more. Jair Bolsonaro faces no shortage of charges. They range from deliberately boycotting Brazil's response to a pandemic <laughs> to gutting the country's environmental agencies to inciting violent riots against the democratic order trying to smuggle in jewellery gifted by Gulf states. But his comeuppance may have come from a type of transgression that's rarely punished in Brazil, electoral crimes. Jair Bolsonaro was found guilty of abusing his office to sow distrust in the electoral system and pit his tens of millions of supporters against democratic institutions, laying the groundwork to challenge the 2022 election results. And this week, we'll explore what went against Bolsonaro in court, what the conviction means for him, and what it means for the country's political system as a whole. And joining us to discuss all of that is our Brasilia correspondent, Sede Silva. Welcome back, Sede. Thank you, Iwan, and it's great talking with you. Sede, you were here on the podcast a few months ago explaining the case against Jair Bolsonaro. Can you bring us up to date? Why was Bolsonaro put on trial in the first place? Uh, sure. So the center-left Democratic Labour Party, the PDT, made this petition uh, to the electoral court last year. And what the PDT wanted was actually to prevent Bolsonaro from running for re-election. The PDT argued that as president, 
Bolsonaro had abused his political power when he invited foreign ambassadors to the presidential residence for a presentation uh, on supposed alleged and false claims uh, on Brazil's electoral integrity, uh, evidence that he did not have and uh, claims that he could not make. And the fact that he was president um, gave him a privilege to invite the foreign ambassadors, and this privilege was not enjoyed by rival presidential candidates. Electoral crimes similar to those committed by Bolsonaro are rarely punished in Brazil, and we've had plenty of examples in the past, from Congress being bought off to allow Fernando Henrique Cardoso to run for re-election, to Lula allegedly using his office to raise the profile of his then-unknown chief of staff, Dilma Rousseff, in 2010, to Ms. Rousseff's own massive campaign budget in 2014, which was largely funded with money from corruption schemes. So what's changed now? Why is Bolsonaro being convicted? Well, the thing that changed is that Bolsonaro lost re-election. The electoral court um, is very political. It is very afraid to remove powerful people while they are in power. And the thing that happened is Bolsonaro lost uh, re-election. It became a lame duck. So it became politically easy for the justices uh, to declare him unable to run for office. Originally, as, as we've said, the left-wing PDT requested Bolsonaro to be unable to run for re-election during the 2022 election, and the electoral court made no decision. It took its time, and it only took its decision now after Bolsonaro already lost the re-election. If Bolsonaro had won the re-election, it is very unlikely that the electoral court would have taken this decision. And are there any avenues of appeal for Bolsonaro? Uh, Bolsonaro can appeal to the Supreme Court, which is the only court above the Superior Electoral Court. Uh, but the chairman of Bolsonaro's Liberal Party, Valdemar Costa Neto, has told our reporter Amanda Algi that they will not appeal. And in fact, Valdemar Costa Neto made a tweet uh, basically saying, we are thankful for Bolsonaro's contribution to the right-wing cause, which is a way to say that it is over for them. They are thankful for Bolsonaro, and now they are moving on. Bolsonaro can still himself, if he wants to uh, pay his own lawyer, he can still appeal to the Supreme Court if he so desires. So Bolsonaro has been disqualified from running for office for eight years, but he'd be able to return in the 2030 presidential election. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so the law uh, is very badly written on that case, and the law specifies that uh, in this case of abuse of power, uh, you rendered unable to run for office for eight years. But in Brazil, elections have shifting dates, and we hold elections on the first Sunday of October. Uh, since the day on which the first Sunday of October arrives with it here, uh, it means that Bolsonaro will be able to run for office again on October 2030, because on October 2030, the first Sunday is a little after uh, it was in 2022. So uh, this decision will bar Bolsonaro from the 2026 presidential election and the elections for mayor in 2024 and 2028. But his sentence could be extended, right? Because while already terrible for his political career, last week's conviction could be just the beginning of a long and painful comeuppance for the former president. As we understand that the Federal Accounts Court could open an investigation against Bolsonaro. Yeah, so we are back to the courts that act very politically. 
Uh, the Federal Accounts Court um, has now received a complaint by the prosecutor that is specialized for the Federal Accounts Court. And the, the prosecutors, they want to prosecute Bolsonaro uh, to, to give back the money, the public funds that were spent in the meeting with ambassadors, which is just a few thousand dollars. Uh, but since that was abuse of power and it was inappropriate, uh, the punishment in the Federal Accounts Court would trigger a separate law, which is uh, Brazil's Ficha Limpa Law or Clean Slate Law, which bans you from running for office for eight years as well, but counting on the day of the conviction. And so uh, if that conviction happens uh, in the Federal Accounts Court, then Bolsonaro would also be banned from the 2030 election. We have the, the similar case with a former president that was also banned under the Clean Slate Act, which was uh, former President Lula. Lula wanted to run in the 2018 election, but at the time he was in jail, and the Clean Slate Act abandoned him from running on that time. And there are about 600 lawsuits pending against him, ranging from minor health complaints to criminal investigations in the Supreme Court. What happens if Bolsonaro is convicted more than once? Well, in Brazil, the future is very uncertain. Uh, we have the recent case, for example, of former president and former senator, Fernando Collor. He was convicted a few months ago at the Supreme Court for corruption and money laundering to a few years in jail, but he was not jailed yet. Uh, there are appeals. There, there's a lot of politics going uh, behind the stages that we've not seen these courts. These justices all have extensive connections uh, with politicians. Uh, for instance, just last week, we had another edition of the so-called the Legal Forum in Lisbon, which is organized uh, by a Supreme Court Justice, Gilmar Mendes. And lots of big shots in Brazilian politics in all the three branches of power, uh, judges and lawmakers and ministers in the executive uh, and, and vice president, Gerald Walker. So even if Bolsonaro is convicted in lower courts with criminal cases, Getting him to jail will still be uh, a long, long-term process. Lula himself was convicted uh, in a criminal court in 2017, but he was only arrested in April 2018. And then through a, a series of measures, uh, Lula eventually was uh, released from jail. So the same thing uh, is probably likely with Bolsonaro. Even he is convicted. Uh, it's going to be a long time, if ever, we see him behind bars. Bolsonaro spent his four years in office feuding with the Supreme Court, and several justices have made critical statements about him. One of them, who you just mentioned, Gilmar Menges, he said that during Bolsonaro's presidency, Brazil was being run by people from the underground, suggesting some sort of connection to crime. So things look pretty ominous for Bolsonaro, don't they? Yeah, it was not only Gilmar Mendes who said that um, during the president during one of the presidential debates in 2022, Lula himself also suggested very strongly that Bolsonaro had connections with the militias, which are mafia-like uh, mobster uh, organizations, criminal organiza organizations that control territory in the state of Rio de Janeiro, and Bolsonaro himself has some public ties with them. Um, he has once. Uh, awarded a medal. He, he instructed his son, Flavio Bolsonaro, when he was a state lawmaker in Rio, to award a, me a medal uh, to Capitão Adriano, who was a former militia member. 
And there are several other comments uh, of Bolsonaro rela related to this uh, paramilitary, former police, mafia mobsters in Rio. The thing about Bolsonaro is that um, he was never very good at making new friends. And after he was elected president, um, he basically broke ties or broke alliances with a lot of his coalition. So um, his former whip in Congress, um, his former ministers of him, such as Gustavo Bibiano, his former whip, um, uh, Congress, Congresswoman uh, from São Paulo that was his former whip in Congress, and uh, Joyce Hasselman, uh, he, he basically started breaking alliances with people. And so he has burned some bridges in the Brazil's judicial system, which uh, make it... Um, with less political support in the judicial branch. But in Brazil, there are always a lot of powerful people and a lot of lawyers and judges are very willing to protect powerful people, especially in relation to white-collar crime. So I don't know if things look that ominous for Bolsonaro because I am not a believer in Brazil's justice system. And what you said there about Bolsonaro's habit of burning bridges, that kind of brings me to my next question, because, you know, there's something strange about all this, because after Bolsonaro lost the 2022 election, his supporters began protesting across the country, blocking highways, trying to bring the economy to a halt. But now that he's been completely removed from electoral politics for at least eight years, there's been no real reaction from the far right. So what's happened? Well, I think this speaks to the fact that Unlike uh, some people were boasting about, the support for Bolsonaro and uh, this, this support for the, the thesis, the fantasy that there was election fraud uh, was actually not grassroots. There was uh, political support. There were backers at the time uh, willing to wage this campaign. These camps that were set up nearby military bases, they had the support of the military. Uh, otherwise, they could not uh, take place. Uh, and we know this very publicly because late last year, when Brasilia police tried to dismantle one of these military camps, the police was very publicly barred from doing so by the army. So there was a lot of institutional and probably uh, some funding from powerful backers um, in this Bolsonarista case. The second thing is that Bolsonarism um, is actually a, a current or a political current that enjoyed Bolsonaro as an opportunity, but they don't really see Bolsonaro as fundamental for that project. And one thing that I saw in relation to this was that very early this year, after Lula took office, but before January 8th, there were a lot of uh, some... Uh, far-right influencers on social media, for example, posting images of Minas Gerais Governor Romeu Zema and, and, and showing Romeu Zema as a simple man that does not enjoy the privileges and then the wealthy life of Lula, who uh, enjoys expensive wines and expensive palaces. And in, in the position, you had this very simple man that uh, wants just people to have the right to work, he, he has liberal causes. So what this shows is before January 8th, before the riots, you already had a movement among the Brazilian far right uh, in direction of the next thing. They already wanted the next thing to happen. And so uh, Bolsonaro being disqualified from running for office 
um, is just the removal of an obstacle so we can discuss the next thing and the next Bolsonaro. So let's talk about that next thing. I mean, you know, we know Bolsonaro's out of the 2026 presidential election. And of course, it's premature to talk about a vote that's three years from now, because everything depends on how the economy is doing, how well Lula's government's going to fare. But do you think we've already started to see the tectonic plate shifting on the right wing? Is there someone that's trying to get ahead of Bolsonaro as the leader of Brazil's conservative movement? Maybe Romeu Zema, as you mentioned? Or are there other politicians maybe playing their hand a bit more carefully? Yes. Uh, so on this Tuesday night, there is a meeting here in Brasilia of the governors of the South and Southeast. Uh, the South and Southeast are uh, important Brazilian regions, and the Southeast is where powerhouses, just such as São Paulo, Minas Gerais, and Rio de Janeiro are located. The southeast is where uh, is Brazil's most populous region, and it's also Brazil's wealthiest region. Uh, these governors, they have been holding more frequent meetings uh, this year uh, in relation to previous years, and these governors have been positioning themselves as quote-unquote opposition leaders to the Lula administration, and they're going to speak in opposition to the Lula-sponsored proposal for tax reform. And so this is one of their first movements in opposing something that the Lula administration has proposed, something that is very identified with the Lula administration, and the governors are going to say, well, we have a different proposal. Uh, this is not how things should be. We, we, we should discuss uh, things differently. Among these governors, you've got the Minas Gerais governor, Romeu Zema, and Ratinho Jr. from the southern state of Paraná. They are both in their second term, and they were both re-elected with large margins in 2022, so they are popular governors in their respective states. And the fact that they are on their second terms means that both Romeu Zema in Minas Gerais and Ratinho Jr. in Paraná cannot run for a third term in 2026. So. Uh, running for president would be a natural path for them as they cannot uh, run for governor again. Also, you have in, in Sao Paulo, you've got Governor Tarcísio de Freitas, who used to be Bolsonaro's infrastructure minister. He is more closely identified with Bolsonarismo than, than the other governors. And he's on his first term, but uh, being the governor of Brazil's most populous and wealthiest state, um, he could also uh, try to let's say, jump the bridge in 2026, skip ahead, and, and try to run for president, uh, despite uh, also having the possibility of running one more time as governor. Sede, thanks very much. We'll have you back as this Bolsonaro's succession story develops a bit more. Thanks for having me, Ivan. Sede Silva covers politics from Brasilia, and you can read his work on The Brazilian Report. If you like Explaining Brazil, please give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It only takes a second and it'll help us reach a wider audience. Or better yet, subscribe to The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We have a subscription-based business model and your memberships fuel our journalism and keep us going and growing. Thanks to our subscribers, we've been able to cover Brazil and Latin America extensively and our work has won and been shortlisted for several international journalism awards. More recently, our newsletters won the best newsletter prize in the Americas from the World Association of Newspapers and News Publishers for a small or local newsroom. And in order to keep doing that work, we need your support. So please go to brazilian.report slash subscribe. 
I'm Ewan Marshall. Thanks for listening and Explaining Brazil will be back next week. <laughs>